0: Free, free, free from this world of sin. Washed in the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah! I'm safe, 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 by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out, show me the way. This world of sin, washed in the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way, like a bird out of prison. Has taken its blind, like a blind man that God gave back his sight, like a poor wretched beggar that found fortune and fame, I'm so glad that I found out he could bring me out through his holy name, thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin, in the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way.
1: Don't you, I tell you what there's nothing I mean I know the word of God's wonderful but boy I tell you what there's nothing like good gospel singing amen I don't know if that was good or not but I enjoyed it and uh, I tell you what it's uh it's uh I love to you know I just I don't know about you but I told the choir up here just a little bit ago I said we need to have a big Bible conference invite a bunch of people here pack this place out so they can hear our choir sing I mean honestly they they need to hear the choir sing man what a great job the choir does and uh well, I'm just excited about that. I just know when I've gone to some big conferences in the past, one of the things I've always looked forward to is the choir that sang, and if it was any good, that is. And uh, but I'm gonna be honest with you, not all of them are that great, but uh, boy, I remember going down to Brother Bobby, uh, uh, Brother Bobby Robertson's church, and uh, they have a, a choir, and they're just a bunch of, I mean, just a bunch of down home folk. I mean, they don't, they got the twang every once in a while going. They got it. I mean, it's happening. And, boy, they sing some songs that are just, boy, they just melt your heart, you know. And uh, they just do a great job. They belt it out there and just let it out there for the Lord. And I always enjoyed going to those conferences, of the, the National Sword Conferences, when I had a chance to go in years ago. And, boy, I'll tell you, you what, I enjoyed this, this choir. And, uh, boy, what a great job they did. And it made such a difference in the conference. So I think we need to have a big conference just so everybody can hear the choir. And then we'll worry about the rest of it later. Anyway. Take your Bible, look over the book of Luke, chapter 10. Luke, chapter 10 tonight. And again, we're out of our Proverbs series. We're done with that for the time being. And again, you could probably preach through the book of Proverbs every day, uh, every service. And, And still, at the end of the year, you'd still have plenty more to teach. And if I could say this, honestly, I think I could preach the same message six times in a row. And you'd probably never get it yet. Listen to what I'm telling you. You know, it's amazing to me how many times somebody says, well, I think we've heard him say something like that before. Trust me, we can use it again. Yeah, we we can use it again. If if I preach the same message six times in a row, it'd be amazed, I'd be amazed, I guarantee you this, and I've never tested this, but I bet you about the third or fourth time there'd be some of you coming up to me going, you know what, you know what, you said something tonight, just hit me like that. And I'd be like, oh, it took four times. How many times do you have to tell your children how to do something before they get it? I mean, honestly, sometimes I think we think we're, you know, maybe a little too more advanced than we really are. We're just human beings. We need repetition. And they say repetition is the key to learning. I think the book of Proverbs is something we could preach through, teach through. I mean, just never, nonstop, every Wednesday night for the, till eternity comes. You could preach in Proverbs and never grow weary of it. I think it would be wonderful. I just love Proverbs. It's a great book. And uh, anyway, we're we're done with it. I love it so much. But anyway, <clears throat> I don't know. And oh, oh by, by the way, let me see. Uh, by the way, I'm going to preach against the Internet tonight. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, seeing that we're finally got that worked out, it sounds like. So anyway, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. This will sound familiar to you, and it will be familiar. I want to share with you uh, just a message that I've entitled tonight. Uh, simply balance in the believer's life balance in the believer's life and so i want to spend a little time really teaching more than preaching i guess but i want to read starting in verse 38 and we're going to read through verse 42 and the bible says now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named martha received him into her house she had a sister called mary which also sat at jesus's feet and heard his word but martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know, years ago, I had a neighbor by the name of Billy, he lived across the street, and Billy, he uh, he was deaf. He couldn't hear, but he was kind of our buddy. And we would hang out with Billy, and we would play with Billy. And Billy uh, had a, there was an extra lot of, uh, directly across the street from our house. And Billy would, he lived on the house over there, and we lived here. And across the street was that empty lot. And so there's a bunch of trees. And Billy, he would, he'd, he loved climbing trees. And, and uh, I mean, he loved climbing trees so good, and he was so adept at it that Honestly, a part of me believed that he was the missing link. Until about, until one afternoon, one, one midday, he was about 30 feet up in a tree. And again, it was right across the street, and we happened to be outside at the time. And we, we all of a sudden heard, um, you know, this like thud, and thud, thud, thud. And I mean to tell you, it was just like thud, and it was like, <laughs> I mean, just boom, 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 boom. 30 feet down out of that tree, he kept hitting limbs the whole way down. And all of a sudden, it's like, bam, right on the ground. We're like, whoa, what just happened? Well, Billy came out of that tree. We run over there and we're like, what's up, Billy? And Billy's just like laying there. He's like, I mean, he, he's like, he's kind of out in the way, you know. And I'm thinking, man, this dude's really got to be really hurt bad, right? He he pops up a little bit and he's like, ooh. And he takes off running. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Amazingly, he was only beat up a little bit. He wasn't severely injured. But you know what happened? He got up in that tree and he got to walking around on some of those branches, you know. And he lost his balance. He lost his balance and he came out of that tree. Balance is very important in life. It keeps us upright and it keeps us on our feet. Balance provides us with safety and it provides us with stability. And the believer in our lives, we are going to, we have to be aware of the fact that we're going to need to navigate some pretty tricky terrain and we're going to have to have the proper balance in our lives if we ever hope to achieve the success that God intends us to in our Christian life and in the race that we're running. In our particular passage tonight, We're introduced to two women who I believe offer a tremendous picture of the Christian life. And tonight, I basically just want to look at each of them and then consider them in relationship to our walk with Christ today. And so, again, I want to talk on this subject or speak on this subject, balance in the believer's life, balance in the believer's life. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity to gather here tonight and. Lord, again, we are a needy people. And Lord, uh, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged tonight, that we'd be, uh, I guess, more grounded and be blessed by your message, by your word and your spirit. Help us, Lord. We need you. And Father, we need to be the best believer and the best Christian we can possibly be. There are people counting on us. Father, our families are counting on us. Our friends are counting on us. Father, the world's counting on us. And Father, more than anything, you are. Help us now, Lord, to to learn and to glean what we can. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, we note these two women. I don't want to note the the two women compared. I want to look at them for just a moment. Look at verse 38 and 39 right off the bat. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So we're heading into Martha's home. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. We find from the passage, it's real simple. Martha's at the feet of Jesus. You say, oh, I already know this story. Here we go again. That's all right. You hold on a minute. We'll learn something tonight. We understand that, Martha's, uh, that Mary's at the feet of Jesus. And, and we see her there. In this particular passage of Scripture, it's obvious that she's right there at the Lord's feet. And that's pretty important. That's so important that that's the only statement I'm going to make concerning her in this section. That's important to understand. She is at the feet of Jesus. But number two, look at her sister Martha in verse 40 and 41. But Martha, it says, was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. Goes on to say, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. On the other hand, we have her sister Martha. Now again, I think it's important to realize that this is Martha's home. It says right in the opening passage here that he entered into a village and and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. I don't know why, but it appears that it was Martha's home. It appears that it was her house. Now, I know Lazarus was there, and I know, I know ultimately that Mary's there too, but for some reason God puts it in the Bible that it was Martha's house. Now, I don't know if that matters to you, but it seems important to me in the sense that here's Martha, she's a little concerned about how her house looks to the Master. Now, I mean, she gets a bad rap sometimes, I think. Sometimes we look at old Martha and we, we kind of rip into her and we kind of feel like she's just such a wicked, sinful person and she needs to be at Jesus' feet like Mary is. But may I say that there was temptation there possibly in her life that Mary didn't have. This was her house. This was her responsibility. This was her care. And this is what she felt was important. I don't know. But what I do know is she's not found at the feet of Jesus. Instead, she's cumbered about with much work and much service and she's trying to clean her house, prepare it and ready it for the master. And so we have two women, and we compare them. One is at the feet of Jesus. The other is running around, working diligently, striving, trying to prepare the house, ready it for Jesus Christ. The two women compared. But then we see two types of Christians in their life, or represented here, I believe. Again, Martha, first of all, we see her in verse 40 and 41 again, cumbered about, busy working. Do you know it's important to be busy in the work of God? The passage is not teaching you that you ought not to be working and diligent in the work of God. That's not what the passage is teaching us. It's not telling us we shouldn't be at church every time the doors are open. It's not telling us we shouldn't be out knocking doors. It's not telling us we shouldn't be teaching Sunday school, reading our Bibles, praying, all working on the bus routes, helping in the nursery, cleaning the churches and doing what's necessary and needful to bring them in from the fields of sin and to see them in the baptistries being baptized and training them in discipleship. That's not what the passage is teaching, that we shouldn't be involved in those things because they're just a lot of work and being too busy at the work, we lose sight of Jesus. That's not what the passage is teaching. We have Martha, however, though, busy at the work. And we ought to be busy at the work but we also need to be very careful that we don't find ourselves operating in the flesh. When we are heavy on the work to the point of neglecting the Spirit, then we have crossed the line. Sadly, there is a great price to pay for that kind of imbalance in your life. And may I say, it's a lot easier to do than it is to be. It's so much easier just to To read a chapter of the Bible. It's so much easier just to go out sowing. It's so much easier just to show up at church and to be an usher or to work in the nursery. That's easy. That's cake. Let me tell you something. We've got to have some balance. And unfortunately, when we are out of balance in this area, then it's going the fruit of our labor will produce some things. One, it produces burden. We see Martha, and she is so heavy laden. She's so stressed out. She's so burdened down. Frustration and confusion sets in. We know that the Bible teaches us that God is not the author of confusion. And yet, obviously, Mary, as the Bible says here, is is cumbered about. And, and, And thou art careful and troubled about many things. Chaos and confusion are reigning in her life at that moment. Even though the Master is right there in her household or on her property, she herself is still running around and bothered by the activity so concerned. Troubled, worried, fretting. You know what? Sadly enough, another one of those fruits of that kind of labor is resentfulness or resentment. Look, if you will, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. It doesn't matter how spiritual somebody is, they can get in the flesh. And we must be so careful to maintain proper balance between the work and ultimately, as we'll see, the spiritual side. Notice what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. We see Elijah here and the Bible says, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. I mean to tell you, it's been a wreck, a train wreck in Israel. It's been a train wreck. The people of God have gone by the wayside, and in this particular case, he is not exaggerating. The fact is that they have thrown down the altars of God. They have slain the prophets with the sword. They'd even gone so far as to offer their very children to idols. And may I say today, that when he speaks, he's speaking truth. But may I also say today, notice the attitude that he has. He goes on to say, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I'm the only one serving God. I'm the only one living up to the standard. I'm the only one keeping my head on straight. I'm the only one in the Bible like I ought to be. I'm the only one out soul like I'm supposed to be. I'm the only one that works in the nursery and really cares. I'm the only one that sings in the choir and really is serious about music. I'm the only one. The rest of them are just messing up by the numbers. They don't care like I care. I really care. It's important to me. Wait a second. Wait a second. Elijah, can I ask you a question? Um, who are you doing this for? What's really going on here? Because God later says in verse 18, Yet have I left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. It's interesting, isn't it, that we see Judas kissing Jesus. Have you ever noticed that in the passage? It's interesting, isn't it? Maybe you can do a little Bible study of your own and try to figure out that kiss a little bit. But all I want you to see here right now is the simple truth that even Elijah found himself burdened about the work. Even Elijah found himself consumed with his activity to the point where he felt he was the only one and he was all alone. I'm the only teacher. That does it right. I'm the only one that follows up. I'm the only one that makes my calls. I'm the only one that does like it's supposed to be done. Even the pastor's neglectful. But I'm not. Oh, good for you. Hey Elijah, there are still seven thousand others that haven't bowed the knee. There's still others. You're not the only one. You may think you are, but you're not. Oh, you may you may think we're the only church. We're not. You may think you know, we're the only, we're the, you're the only you know, youth that really care. Oh, no, you're not. There's others that care. Across the country, there are people that care still. Oh, we're, we're the only singles group that... Uh, no, 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 there are others. There are others. But the bottom line is is that we can get busy and cumbered about with the work to the point where we even begin to feel somewhat resentful. Asaph found himself in that position, didn't he? Psalm chapter 73, let me just read it quickly, verses 1 through 3. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My feet had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Man, it's easy to get resentful when all you're doing is working. Hey, work's good and you need to work. But let me tell you, be real careful with working. You get in that flesh and pretty soon you're right where Asaph was. Pretty soon you're right where Elijah was. Pretty soon you feel entitled. Pretty soon you think people owe you something. Pretty soon you feel like somebody ought to be slapping you on the back and handing you a certificate saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Be careful. You're not the only one, though. And neither am I. Neither am I. But on the other hand, we see Mary. The Bible tells us again that she's at the feet of Jesus. She's found in the very presence of Christ and at His feet. A place where, obviously, we would all agree is a good place to be. If you will, she's operating in the Spirit. She's yielded to the Holy Ghost. She's yielded, surrendered to the Master. She's like putty in His hands. And by the way, I don't know about you, but have you ever held putty in your hand long enough that it ultimately it starts to actually get softer, more pliable? When you first put putty in your hand, it's not always that pliable and you feel it's really stiff. But if you'll hold it long enough and you'll keep it close and you'll just wrap it around your hands, pretty soon it starts to warm up. And before it's over, you can really squeeze it and mold it and make it. And that's the position we need to be in our Christian life. We need to literally be in the hands of Jesus. So that we can be made pliable and ultimately formed and molded as He would have us to be. In Luke chapter 10, verse 41 through 42, we read it already. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And here's the thing. There's balance, though. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. If you never go out soul winning, you never go out to church, you never find yourself in uh, uh, um serving other people, meeting the needs of others through the local church, 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 through the local church. church. Did you hear what I said? That's the Bible way, by the way. It's not you get to decide how you want to spend your money. It's not you and I get to decide how we're going to spend our energy and how we're going to serve the Lord. No, we do it through the local church. That's the Bible way. Now listen, you can say that's a bunch of bulls. You can say, I don't agree with it. You can say, you're just old-fashioned. You can just say, you're not with the times. You can say anything you want, but if you'll read that book, you'll realize God functions today, operates, and meets the needs of a world through the local church today. Not one of us has a right to go after this our own way and say, you know what, I don't agree with them. They don't want me to do this or do that. I'll just go out on my own and do it then. Well, You can't do that, not if you want to be scriptural. Now, if you don't mind not being scriptural, go ahead. You say, well, I know people that are doing it that aren't right. Yeah, I know pastors that aren't married. I know, I know women that are preachers. I, I, I understand that. I ran into one just out door knocking the other day. And I think she's doing a fabulous job. She's probably doing better than most men could ever do, to be frank with you. But it doesn't matter what I think. All that matters is what God says. And so we have to have balance. So here's the bottom line. It's not enough to simply pray. It's not enough to simply stay in your work. It's not enough to lock yourself in your room on your knees before Jesus forever. Sooner or later, you've got to come out and you've got to do the work. There has to be balance. There has to be balance. So, let me have, let me have two women, two girls. Let me have two young ladies. Come on up here. Uh, go ahead. Listen, come on up, honey. And, uh, come on up. Yeah, I'm looking right at you. Yeah, what do you want me to do? Give you a personal invitation here? Come on up, ladies. Come on up on stage here. Which one of you wants to be Martha? Wicked, sinful Martha. No, she's a baby. Come on, which one's going to be Martha? You got it. She said, yeah, right. Come on, Alyssa. Come on over here. Come on, all the way over there, all right? Would you stand over there, please? Okay, now here's what it is. When you look at these two young ladies, come on over just a little bit here, just so we're about even. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Come on, right to there. There you go, good, right there. All right, what we have here is we've got Martha and we've got Mary, okay, or Mary and Martha. Now watch this. This is is how far apart they are from one another. They're so far apart, they're diametrically opposed to one another. On one hand, we have Mary, who's at the feet of Jesus. On the other hand, we have Martha, who's about serving. She's all about serving. Okay, now that's what the Bible teaches us. And and the Lord says that, listen, I'm not going to take away what she has. I'm not going to do that. What she's doing is important. What she's doing is necessity. What she's doing is absolutely important. It has to happen. That's the good part. It's wonderful. Hold on a second. Here's here's where the the downfall is. People say, well, it's important to work. And it is important to work. But you've got to understand, it's not effective to work. Until you've already been here, though. See, you can work... And, and you can do things in your own flesh and you can do things in your own strength. And, and to some degree, you can even be successful in the world's eyes uh, or even in the church's eyes in many cases. If you say, oh, she is such a wonderful worker. Oh, she is such a, a, a wonderful Christian. Oh, she does. It. But yet she neglects her Martha duty. She neglects her prayer life, and she neglects her Bible study, and she neglects her meditation, and she neglects her intimate time with Jesus Christ. She says, you know what? I'm just busy today. I don't have time today. I can't get to it today. I'll get to it tomorrow. And then and then tomorrow comes, and I'll get to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, and I'll get to it tomorrow. And before it's over with, she's still busy in the work, but she's never spent time on her knees. And as a result of that, we have a Martha. That's what's wrong today in our churches many times we got some of this going on. I'm thinking we got a lot of it going on. Now I say, it may even be the case, we got a lot of it in our church today. But I'll tell you what, what we need is to start here. It's not enough to just stay here, but you have to end up there. But it begins right here, that's the problem. And unfortunately today, it's easier to go there and stay there and never have to go there. You say, but it's just prayer and Bible reading, that's easy. Really? How much have you done really this week? I mean, how many hours have you spent praying? How many hours have you spent in the Word of God? How much time have you truly spent meditating on a Scripture that you've memorized and working through it and trying to have God speak to your heart? May I say today, it's very unlikely in this crowd today that we've spent a whole lot of time in Mary's shoes. But we've spent a lot of time over there. Oh man, we've been outdoor door knocking. Man, we've, we've been riding on the buses. We've been teaching Sunday school. We're right with God. We are as dead as dead men's bones. Hey, listen! It's not enough to be a mar. It's not enough to just be a Mary. You can't stay here. But you have to start here. If you don't start there, you are not effective as a Mary. And listen, I want to tell you the Christian life is about balance. It is not about one or the other. It's not about, I'm a Mary, she's a Martha, and that's just how God created us. You know, she's got her gifts and I've got mine. Mine are working and hers is praying. That's ridiculous. God's saying, you're both, you're to be a Mary and a Martha. Here, He is not condemning Martha doing housework. I'm telling you, gentlemen, if you want to believe that, then tell your wife not to do any of it. Tell her, forget it. I don't care if you do the housework. I just want you to be a spiritual woman. Hey, being spiritual is doing housework. But not doing it instead of prayer. Doing it after prayer. That's why, ladies, sometimes you have to get up before your children and husband get up. Oh, I know, we don't talk about that much anymore. Oh, i do it at night. Oh, I know. And then the kids are sick. And then the husband's got to need. And then this happens and that happens. And before it's over, with you're so wore out, you just fall asleep in the chair. And you go for days and even weeks without ever getting on your knees like Mary. And then you keep working and you keep working and you keep working. And you know what happens? That you should south, sister, so-and-so. She looked at me cross-eyed. I was working in the nursery. And she comes in, doesn't even work in the nursery, and she has kids in the nursery. Now, let me say something. you got kids in the nursery. You should be working in the nursery. But why would we support welfare Christianity? I'm sorry. I said it. That's right. I said it. I want you to understand. You're going to put your kids in a nursery. You ought to have the decency to at least support the rest of the parents that have kids. They're doing it for you. You ought to help them. We've got ladies in our church that don't have a child and haven't had a child in 50 years living in their home that work in that nursery. But they do because they care about you and their and the children. I'm amazed how a parent... Listen, oh, so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to tear into it. I might as well just do it. I'm amazed how moms can say, I spend all week with these kids. The last thing I want to do is go to church and watch kids. Wow, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm not your kid. I'm, but that's a real heaven on earth in your house. Wow, you love kids that much, you don't want to be around them at church. It's funny how Jesus wanted to be around kids, though. It's amazing how he loved them and cared about them and said, hey, well, come on up into my lap, honey. I'll take care of you, sir. Come on up here, young man. I just want to give you a hug, sir. Amen. We, got, we got Mary and we got Martha. Let me, the balance is this, though. Come on, ladies. Come together. Come together here. Here it is, right here. Here's the balance. There's the balance right there. That's the priority right there. Mary. You know what the outworking of Mary is? Martha. But they're inseparable. And that's the balance. And that's what we ought to be striving for. Shame on mom. Shame on dad. Shame on teenagers. Shame on child that names the name of Christ if we don't have any time to get on our knees and our face before God. We think we're serving the Lord. We are not. We are serving self in flesh. We're doing just like Martha did. Just like Martha we're not doing anyone a favor when we're serving in our flesh, when we're not spending time in. Uh, listen, and, and I don't care what you say. You can go ahead and have your reading schedule and you can fly through your reading schedule and you can have your little prayer list and go. And it becomes nothing but rote prayer. It becomes nothing but just gets get through the reading. That is not time with God. That's not spending time with the Lord. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate your time. Didn't they do a good job? Give me a hand. Way to go, ladies. They're so nervous up here, they can't stand it. That's that's great training for them. Great training. That's great training. Amen. You loved that, didn't you, Emily? Aren't you glad that you volunteered for that? Okay, good. All right. Well, that's balance. Now, balance is hard to achieve. It's difficult to achieve at times. And, and literally, we talk about a balancing act. And, and it's tough in the busyness of our lives. It really is. I'm not trying to tell you it's simple. It's a constant battle. And I often illustrate this, and I've done it a number of years, but when you try to find on a balancing, some of the ladies are freaking out right now. because Yeah, some of them that have glasses like mine, they're going, you look like you're walking right off the stage. Okay. But when you, you, gotta, and you start to wobble back and forth, do you realize that you never really ever come to balance? Do you realize that it's always a constant battle to balance? You're always forward and backwards. Do you realize that? I'm like a cat, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but honestly, you're never really fully in balance. So here's the bottom line. You and I, in our Christian life, are constantly battling to remain balanced. We walk a fine line every day of our life. And you know what? You may fail from time to time. You may find yourself not following through with your walk with God. Or you may find yourself shying away from the work that God's called you to do. And say, you know, I know God wants me to be more involved, but I just don't want to be yet. I don't feel I can. And your something inside tells you you ought to be. You know you should be. And you're shying away from that. So you're out of balance. Fight to get into balance. Be willing to die to self. Be willing to crucify the flesh. Be willing to let God use you right where you are, right now, right today. It's been humorous to watch as my granddaughter's learning to walk. And yet it's very scary for me. I'm, I'm a weird person, okay? I, 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 today I think Brother Kavanaugh was telling me... because. I was looking at steps, and I'm talking to him about some things here in the auditorium and everything. And he's like, man, you are just like, uh, you got a step, I don't know what he called it. Step, what? Step phobia. And I said, I absolutely do. I hate steps. I hate steps. Uh, one day, I know I won't be able to navigate them a whole, whole, whole uh, lot. And I really would prefer, one day, I want a house on all one level. I, want, I don't want any steps in my house one day. And really, with kids, I don't like steps at all, personally. I hate steps. Uh, but because uh, i 'm always worried about kids kind of walking down the steps or falling down the steps, or you know anyway, I watch uh, little Adeline starting to learn to walk, and I mean to tell you she is unstable as anything she 's starting to get more stable now she 's starting to finally find her footing and you, you know what it 's funny about kids isn 't it and i 'm going to make an extremely important point. And I want all of you to listen here for a minute, and we 're going to close here, but with with youngsters with kids. It takes them a while to get their balance. And they fight that thing. They go through that. And as they grow and they they get a little older, they they get more sturdy and more stable on their feet. And they find balance as they grow a little older, don't they? But early on in their life, they're struggling. Can I tell you as a Christian, early on in your life, you're going to struggle with balance? This Mary-Martha balance is tough early on in your Christian life? Hold on. If you've never grown in your Christian life, then it's still hard for you. Because you're just a baby still. You're struggling. You're trying to find your footing. You're trying to get sturdy in your walk. But in reality, God calls us babes and we're, to, we're to, to, to drink the sincere milk of the Word. Well, He's likening us to children. So what He's saying is, even as you watch a child, and just watch children, they are a perfect picture of baby Christians. They can't find their balance and they're struggling to stand upright. And to be sturdy in their life. And that's what baby Christians struggle with. But hold on, this is interesting to me. And I found this to be true the older I get in the ministry. We do real good for a period of time in our lives. With balance. But then a day comes that we start getting a little older. And pretty soon, it's a little more difficult to navigate the steps now. And and it seems like we lose our balance for no reason whatsoever. And, And we find ourselves a little less stable than we were when we were younger. So as we grow older, what happens? We start to lose our balance a little bit. And some people really lose it bad. Hold on now. What's the picture then? I've watched older Christians lose their balance over and over again. I've watched pastors who were sincere, pastors who were genuine, pastors who loved the Lord, pastors who were soul winners and separated and serving Jesus Christ with all their heart. And I've watched them as they've aged lose their footing and start to become a little less stable. Pretty soon they start dropping their standards. Pretty soon they're watching things they never would have watched when they were younger. Pretty soon they're dressing like they never would have dressed. They're doing things that they just knew in the past was wrong, but now they say, ah, I'm older now, it doesn't matter anymore. I watch as folks in the church grow older and they say, well, my time's done serving. I just uh, love the Lord, but I can't do anything. They, They get out of balance. They get out of balance. Oh, you may not be able to do everything you used to do. But you certainly can still do. And let me tell you, you're not complete in the Christian life unless you are both a Mary, excuse me, a Mar a Mary and a Martha. It, you can't be just one or the other. I, I just want Mrs. Parker, I appreciate you coming up here, and I'm just going to embarrass the life out of her. But I appreciate Mrs. Parker coming up to pray during our soul winning times. Hey, listen, you want to know something? I believe God answers that woman's prayers. She comes up here and says, I want to see people saved. I'm going to pray. Now, wait a second. She can't go out knocking doors because she's one of those folks a little unstable right now, okay? Loses her balance. But she's not unstable in her Christian life. She's still praying. She's still a Mary, but she's also a Martha doing the work. Get where I'm going with this. And I I know you say, well, you shouldn't point at anybody like that. And, you know, why aren't you pointing at me? And whatever. I'm just telling you, as baby Christians... And even I see as older Christians, many times we start to lose our balance. Keep the balance in your Christian life. Be a a Mary. You, You can't possibly function unless you're a Mary in the Christian life. You can't possibly function. And you cannot possibly be fulfilled unless you're a Martha too. It's both, okay? Mary and Martha. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us and help us. Lord, again, we are thankful that we just lived through that.